This special four-part series of The Cure for Baldness is proudly brought to you by Grant Walker Electrical, specialising in hospitality and commercial constructions, renovations and fit-outs. Contact the team at Grant Walker, 0415 091 546 or email au. Coming to you live from Radio Hub Studios, it's a cure for baldness. Now here's your host, Silky and Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I can tell you, this is the one we have been waiting for. Silky's pumped. I'm pumped. And our guest, well, he's an Australian legend. This young man has been through so much in his uh, his life so far. We just had to tell the story. He is our second cab off the rank in our Cure for Baldness series. He is none other than an Australian commando, rally car driver, snowboarder. He's an author. He's now a movie star. He's gone along Kokoda. He has had the most amazing experience. He's none other than the great Damien Tomlinson, former Australian commando. And we welcome him to the Radio Hub Studios and our Cure for Baldness series. Awesome. Thanks for having us, guys. Love it, Tomo. I want to open with the first time I met Tomo, and uh, it takes me back to, it was a trop fest, as a matter of fact, a number of years ago, and I saw this bloke who looked familiar, but I couldn't put my finger exactly on where I knew him from, and it wasn't until he decided to sit down and uh, he flashed his legs at me that I, I realised, oh, that was the guy on 60 Minutes. Fast forward about three hours, and we're smashing into the Reds as we were that afternoon, and he challenges me to a running race up the hill at Centennial Park. Oh, no. So that was my first what? introduction to Damien Tomlinson. Can I, can I ask a question on that? Benny's movie should have won, <laughs> did, uh What did you beat him by? <laughs> That's my question. Little fat kid from Lilyfield via Bondi. He, he can't run like that. Mate, my first experience, Tomo and I were down at, uh, same thing. We're down, I think it was, I'm sure they coincided because it was Benny celebrating something to do with Bondi Rescue. Benny Davies, of course, another cure for baldness uh, interviewee in the future. But we were down at the Royal Oak and I saw Tomo sit down and I thought, that's that guy from 60 Minutes. So I just zoomed over, I like to hang around a few celebrities. You, yeah, know you love a backslap. Yeah, I love a backslap. And then Tom and I just hit it off and then me and him spent the whole night bagging all of his mates and my mates and the rest is history. A couple of great drinks. Since then, though, we've heard Tomo speak and we've had the pleasure through our uh, you know engagements at the Sydney Roosters and things we do with them of having Tomo as uh, one of our guests, particularly in Anzac Day. And, 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 and your story is just one of amazement. It's one of inspiration. And every time someone's having a bad day or thinking about this, you know, things that go wrong, you know, I think you've only got to look at people like yourself or draw energy, if you will, from the experience you've had. And when we talked about A Cure for Baldness, we talked about the series, mate. You're in the top three names. We can even show it to you, you know, and just go, wow, this is the story that has to be told. So today, we're so excited for our listeners. I'm excited to sit here with you, Tom, and break bread over this uh, well, I'm off the bread, actually, but, you know, break water and air and green juice, as you told me, <laughs> dietary advice, and just get this great story uh, on out there. Mate, let's go back to the start. You grew up in Terrigal, great little coastal town in uh, central coast of New South Wales. Tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up there on the coast. It's a pretty awesome spot up there. You know, I mean, it's it's good. It's kind of like, I guess it's a couple of years behind like, the Bondis and the Coogees. You know, it's a little bit, which which you'd never accept from up there. You're kind of like, is it a country town? I remember my first missus from down here would sort of say that, you know, you're you know, you're one step away from being in the country over there. And you're like, well, no, it's the center of the universe. I used to, I, I love the place. I mean, you kind of, it is very extremely, it's like a little coastal town. So, you know, you grow up, you spend a lot of time surfing, you spend a fair bit of time drinking and stuff like that it's it was it was good fun when i was when i was young i think you know there's a there's particular sort of 
lifespan that I, I think that it sort of has. It was always hard, harder to get work there than I find it is in Sydney. You know what I mean? Like it was a bit, a bit tough growing up when you're kind of looking for what you're going to do next. And the thing is, it's only an hour and a half up the freeway from Sydney. Yet, it, it, you know, when you get there, it's a mile away. Like yeah. you know, it is a real holiday destination. Yeah. It's got the hotels and resorts, and I mean, it, but it probably wasn't like that when you were a young bloke growing up, was it? Not. Not entirely. I don't know. You kind of thought it was the center of the universe. Sydney seemed like it was so far away. You know, the big smoke. It was a city. It was. It was all these different things that you know. You know, kind of. I kind of know now. It's not really that that different. It is a little bit more intense and more packed down in Sydney. But yeah, it's. It was good when you when you're growing up. You don't really don't know any different. You know what I mean. So yeah. it's kind of. It was just the way things were. I think our listeners up on the central coast and you know your family and friends that are up there that will listen to this podcast. Well, hate me saying this, but it really, it has become, it's been engulfed by Sydney and it's become part of, like Silky said, it's seems like forever to get there. When you get there, it seems like it's a mile away. It's just such a beautiful area. It's like we, The people of the Central Coast have finally realised how beautiful it is. The beaches, the lifestyle, everything else. The problem you've got is everyone from Sydney knows it now. They've gone, oh, we're going up there. Yeah, we're, we're. And it kind of this ever-growing city of ours, these great little secrets and Silky being, uh, you know, a great surfer and, and sneaking one of these little spots, they're all crowded. So everyone moves up the coast and finally gets up the coast where no one wants to surf and get eaten by sharks. <laughs> so we can't go too much further, but what a beautiful area. Like it's gentrified now. It's cosmopolitan now. There's cafes. As a kid, can you just describe, I mean, you know, could you hit a cricket ball down the street like in Bondi and not hit a car? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely. That was, it was a lot. A lot looser when you were young. I remember before the before the sort of coffee here, before there was cafes and things like that along the main the main drag. I remember so I remember surfing. Used to we had had a mate who lived just across the lake. We used to get our boards, paddle across the lake, cross one street, and then we're at a place called Ruins, which is where back in the some huge storm happened. And you remember the storm recently where that house up in on yeah. the North Shore got washed into the water. Co- Collaroy? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a similar thing to that, except yep. the whole house ended up going into the drink. And then they had a vacant block where you just used to call the place ruins. So you'd just walk across and that was that was one of the sort of spots that you could at least stand there, look, find out which little sort of sandbank you were going to go surf and then yep. in the afternoon spend some time doing that. But, uh, yeah, it was it was good. So it wasn't, it wasn't that packed. It was a pretty... A really, really country sort of vibe to the place, but it's picked up a lot more now. Like it's Eddie's a lot like the North Shore of Sydney side thing. You still got some family connections up there now. You're uh, yeah, yeah. You know. The whole family sort of still live up on the Central Coast, and I've yeah. And you get back there a bit, yeah. I try to as I try to as much as possible. I mean, my wife now she's from up the Central Coast. It's funny. Her parents live like five five minutes from each other. Wow, and so, you had to come to Sydney to meet her. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like that. I used to play golf with my old man. Like he grew up playing golf. You know, that was his that was his bread, his bread and butter. He just loved it, loved the game. So I kind of had always had a golf club in my hand. But then when we, you know, you get a bit more distant from your folks, the older you get. I mean, we've kind of got to have our own little renaissance based on the injury. You know, we could kind of find each other again, which has been 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 a good experience. But then we'd play golf on like the Christmas Eve. And then, yeah, a couple of Christmas Eves ago, like sort of two or three, we were doing our Christmas Eve golf thing. And yeah, we out at Magenta Shores where we play now. And so I'll, I'll make the track up to play occasionally, but especially on the Christmas Eve. And yeah, I saw this this girl, this little tiny blonde thing. I was like, oh, we might go up and have a, have a chat to her. But yeah, so that, I think that's sort of, that's the main reason why I go up now is to play golf, play golf with the folks and maybe. So you're Catch really up. saying, essentially, sorry, so I get a question, but you're really saying if it wasn't for golf, you'd be single. Yeah, I'd say so. Wow. I mean, yeah, go, yeah. 
you keen golfer, like surfing. What else, what other sports as a young bloke were you uh, interested in? I played cricket and baseball. I was never tough enough to play footy. Yep. I think I played footy for a year when I was six or seven, and I just got my ass handed to me. Like I got demolished. I don't know. I was always, I think I was too much of a. Competition up there is extremely strong. Though. Central Coast is one of the like, real powerhouses of Yeah, Canada, I mean, my, and my cousin does really well at it. Yep. You know, he's played down in the Roosters sort of, um, I think he's probably 16, 17, 17 now. You know, he played in like the Roosters sort of the centurion thing. Yeah. Centurion. Yeah. Wyong Centurion. He's yep. done really well. And I mean, I used to, I think about it, I used to be so scared. So I used to just play to my strengths. You know, I could throw, I could hit a ball well. So I'd play cricket in the summer and then baseball in the winter because I had like a, a good arm when I was young. So that was that were like my sort of bread and butter, which have ended up being it's ended up being a bit of a bit of fun because uh, as we'll get to later, like the baseball kind of set me up for a conversation, which was going to make something a lot easier. Yeah, right. Isn't it funny that uh, you realised you weren't tough enough that when you become a commando and Silky and I never realised we weren't tough enough and ended up as podcasters. So that's <laughs> good. obviously, you know, you, you, we're going to talk about army later, but what we like at school because you know. Discipline and all that are traits of being a good soldier. Did you get into much trouble as a young bloke at school, or did you get no, caught in the wrong crowd or anything like that as a, as a young hoon always, hanging around Terrigal? I always knew where the line was. I think I always knew where the where you were going to get in trouble. You know how far how far you could push it before you yeah how how far you could poke and prod before it really became like a, a trouble like situation. You know, I mean, we were reasonably quiet when we're at when we're at school and stuff like that. We still got into trouble, but you know, always as young that. boys do. Yeah, we put. I remember when we were in high school, we had this guy who um he he would occasionally say things that, that frustrated people, or whatever. So we put his car between a tree, like this sort of two trees. Like you could lift this little car that he had like t- tiny little things. So we had 20 odd of us go up, get around it and then lift it and put it so that the doors were between like he basically had to get in the back door of the boot to be able to go out in to reverse it. But so he put it in, I was the only one that got called to the office. <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I think they just took a punt that I would be involved somehow in that, in that raucous. But the, the guy who got us down there was, um, he was a deputy principal at the time, but I played cricket with both of his sons. And I think he thought that he could get, that little bit out of me with it, he'd be like, "Okay, we'll get we'll get Damo in here. We'll give him. I'll give him, the, him up. Yeah, give him the sort of thing. Look, we know that that got, that got done. The guys, like Dad, was the head of the English department. He's got me into his office and gone. Look, there'll be nothing that happens as long as you let me know who else was involved. You know, otherwise, you know, it could make big big trouble. This and that. And I'm like, it was just me. He's like, no, Took no. One for the team. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you've got it. You can't, God. you can't rattle any, everyone else. You'll Could get, you imagine if that that up on the coast? Yeah, you get absolutely rolled by people. So it was kind of mm. no, no. It was just me. It's not Australian. Just me. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. the thing. And he kept put, he kept pushing with it. You know, there's going to be big trouble. There's going to be this. And I was just like, it was just me. I think in the back of my head, I'm like, this is probably the coolest story ever. Like <laughs> when I go back to the common room, I can sort of say to everyone, yeah, I took the rap. And then, you know, <laughs> eventually it was kind of like Damien lifted the car with one hand and placed it between the trees. It was, I think, the vision. But That's really your first interrogation. Little you know, you were getting yourself set up for potential later situations. <laughs> Mate, um, what made you decide to go into the army? You, you know, fast forward, you have those great memories growing up. You know, you've got these amazing little stories of surfing and, you know, playing sport and growing up in an area that everyone just absolutely loves now. Um, you know, you're not too bad at school, but you, you know, I suppose, did you play war games as a kid? Did you, you know, no, do anything like that? No, I did none of it. None of it? When I was young. You know, I mean, I had, they were great. When I look back at it, though, I had these really good influences around me. You know, I played first grade cricket from when I was young, but for yep. some reason, I don't know, I'd rather focus on the bad influences, you know, so, and I just started going in a, 
in a, in a different direction, you know. Occasionally, it sort of wouldn't be wouldn't be the healthiest sort of thing. There was a there's a fair bit of pot stuff like that up on the central coast. You yep. start to get kind of a little bit a little bit into that side of things, which isn't because I was I was never a huge fan of drinking when I was young. So you know, as a as a recreational thing, and it's kind of weird that like for some reason that bridged a real gap that we had developed at high school. You know, you've got to yep. be a part of a clique or a crew, or there's that little sort of part whereas and then the thing that sort of breaks ultimately breaks walls like that down is things in common you know so everyone would you know you'd end up surfing with guys who like either who came from a different group to you and then you know there only had to be one guy who was mates with everyone and then you'd all go and chill at the one house or whatever which was cool there was three guys who'd all rented this house all came from different sort of backgrounds and then the crew would end up just getting bigger and bigger and be like one of those sort of times when everyone you know you go surf and you get get stoned or do whatever to, whatever together. I noticed yep. that it was going down a path, but where, you know, I is reasonably intelligent when I was at school. I just sort of threw it away, I guess, for the last two years. And then, you know, I got to a stage where everyone could get a job. You know, there was different people were doing different different jobs. And I was like, well, why, why am I, I'm doing absolutely nothing with myself. Why am I going down this sort of path? What's happening? You know, like, why am I not? why am I not doing these things that, you know, have I got delusions of grandeur in my head that I think I'm better than I am or what, mm. what's happening? So I just got to that sort of stage where I was like, all right, it's got to be bigger than, than the Central Coast. So how are you going to go about doing it? I mean, and that's, that's a hard thing when you're kind of looking for guidance in that way. How do, you, how do you ask someone who's never been there? You know, so I sort of in that spot, I, I asked my old man, you know, and he kind of gave me the, get me the sort of the bump on it. Nah, I've been telling you for years, you should, you know, you just got to find it type thing. And then, yeah, I went and looked at, you know, my old girl's computer, I had a photo of my pop next to it. I used to love war documentaries. And I was kind of like, all right, I might buy the bullet and have a look and see, see what it does. Plus I saw like in the, in the army and joining the army, I saw it was like the sort of counterweight and counterbalance to all the things that I was doing really badly. I was undisciplined. I wasn't getting up at, you know, a reasonable hour. My hair was a mess. You know, it was just a, it was a genuine shit fight of a, of a person. You know, yeah. I just didn't have any of those things wired tight. And I thought, okay, well, what's the, what's the opposite of that? You know, you're going to, in the army, you're going to get piss tested every single week as well. You know, you're going to have things like that happen. So you got to hold, maintain your discipline on a scale of things. You know, you've really got to do everything sort of to the note. And I really like the idea of that, of being put in a situation where you kind of had an excuse to want to be do your best at something yep. as opposed to what I found, you know, one of the unfortunate things about the central coast growing up when I did, you know, it's, it was more of a, the cool kids were the ones who didn't try, you know, mm -hmm. that was kind of what you wanted to be. You wanted to be that guy who didn't put the effort in where, you know, I mean, when you look at it, when you look back at it, you kind of like, well, that's really not a recipe for success. Yep. If that, if that's what, if that's what you're doing, but that was the, I mean, that was the mentality that I just wanted to break, you know? So I tried to find an environment that would, suit my sort of my change but like the what i saw as my sort of evolution of changing into into something you know where discipline was embraced you know where be putting those different sort of taking yourself to a different mental level was going to be embraced rather than sort of shunned so I, when i went to the army website i looked at it which was it was just a good, just a really good moment in time that I, I looked at it right at a stage where they had a thing called the Special Forces Direct Recruiting Scheme. So you could join the army and know that you were going on a path that was going to take you directly into the Special Forces. You know, and it, it, it was a career, it was a lifestyle. It had 
like so much appeal to me on so many levels. Plus, like, let's face it, James Bond would have had to start as one of them, wouldn't he? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was going to be my question. You know, that there's the regular army and the infantry and all the different jobs that are out there, you know, be it a cook or maintenance or the garage, but the commando unit, it's the, it's the best of the best. When you saw that, like, you know, you hear about the training and the, the mental preparation, everything that goes into that. When you saw that looking at you via the computer, did you know that was the perfect role for you? Well, I, I thought it, I thought it was always going to be, yeah. It just it just sang on so many different levels. You know, you obviously had to have the right stuff going on upstairs. You had to be smart enough to operate all the stuff that you were going to do, you know. Plus, you had to have, you know, so obviously some physical physical characteristics, which I think I... I sort of overemphasized at the start, you know, what it was going to physically look like. You know, I kind of th- I thought that every single commando that you see would basically be built like a a second a house, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would be sort of be like that would be the sort of person which the job I, I guess it attracted. And there's a lot of people that it did, you know, people. But you also had guys who you know had degrees. I mean, there were some some guys who were you know tiny who you just think how can they do it? But the guys have just got the heart hearts as big as lions. Yep. Yeah, so. How many were in your company or group or in the training when you first signed up? Do you remember um, how many were in and how many kind of lasted? Yeah, we had 40, 46, I think, or some, somewhere around 46. It was between 40 and 50 guys who started. Yeah. And then we only had, there were, I think there were eight or nine Wow, that actually got the whole way through. But they, then that group as well, but were selected from the wide range of people that they had that would go for it, then they sort of culled it down to the 50-odd. And then from there, when you'd gone through, because you'd still do your basic training, infantry training, then advanced infantry work, and then you're ready to go on selection. So you do like what's called the barrier test. And then after you've done the barrier test, then they go, okay, cool. Well, if you pass the barrier test, then you get taken on. It's the CSTC, which is Commando Selection and Training Course. And then that's when they really put you through. You know, you kind of... Yeah, we put three paces on that, but um, then after that, you can, if you are selected for beyond that, you, you then go to what was at the time for RAR and then start your reinforcement cycle. I think we should just leave it there because I'm absolutely intrigued on the training and the preparation that goes into becoming a commando. Bush, yeah, great uh, way to start. You're listening to Cure for Boldness with our special guest, former commando Damien Tomlinson, and what an inspiring story so far. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility. With high-quality sound equipment and production services, Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So, if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 900 or email info at radiohub.com.au.